Hi, welcome to part one of our college football show. The annual Red River shootout between Oklahoma and Texas takes place on our Week 6 college football schedule at BetUS. The Sooners and Longhorns are not the biggest game on schedule, however, that honor goes to a Big Ten heavyweight date between number one Penn State, which visits number three Iowa. Our college football crew will do a deep dive into these games and all the other huge matchups on another beautiful fall Saturday. Welcome into the BetUS College Football Show. It is week six. It is time to discuss the early slate. We appreciate everybody that's joining us today. Of course, we want to go ahead and tell you about our experts that are joining us each and every time we have the show. On the left, Parker Fleming. He's our analyst, our numbers guy. You can follow him on Twitter, at Stats of War. Parker, uh, not a great week last week for any of us. Uh, how do you feel about it? <laughs> At the risk of sounding like something my grandmother has, uh, 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 you know, in, uh, embroidered on a pillow, any week's a good week when you're watching college football, Gary, win or lose. So, well, yeah, we'll leave it out. It's a long season. And historically, uh, you know, to be a little serious, um, I am way better uh, about six or seven weeks in a season. So, I'm, you know, last last season took a big turn and and two years ago really kind of noticed, hey, I can hit my stride in conference play. So I'm ready to ready to make some picks, ready to write the ship for sure. The analytics certainly start to make more sense once you have more data points. That definitely makes sense. So on the right side here, we have Kyle Hunter, our award-winning professional handicapper. Uh, Kyle, he's at Kyle Hunter Picks on Twitter, by the way. Kyle, uh, you lost less than than we did. Uh, how did you feel about last week? <laughs> Well, you know, I wish it had gone better, certainly, but uh, we have a lot of season ahead here, so I'm optimistic that we can uh, right the ship here as a group, and uh, I'm looking forward to talking about these games here for this week. Uh, you have definitely got that right. Uh, any week that we can watch college football, like Parker said, is a good week, and there were some really entertaining games, especially in the nightcap last week. The early games we're just as entertaining from a different aspect, right? So we, there was a lot to like about last week. And of course, as we said, the more data points you get, the better you get throughout the season. So I feel like we we might know these teams a little bit better going into week six. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited about this. Let's go ahead and, uh, and tell everybody you can sign up using the promo code. Sign up at BetUS. Use the promo code NCAAF2021. You get a 125% sign-up bonus up to $2,500, my friends. It is sportsbook exclusive. I, I can't stress how great of a deal this is. There is a link in the description. Go ahead down there. Make sure that you get signed up. There's a lot of season left, so make sure that you can gamble on it because it's going to be fun. I promise you that. Uh, along with that, go ahead and make sure that you like this video. I'm going to remind you multiple times throughout the show, so make sure you like it. And if you are not already, subscribe to the channel. That is the biggest thing. We certainly appreciate that. Likes and subscriptions. Uh, make sure and hit the notification bell so that you know when we go live. We do a Wednesday show at 5 p.m. Eastern time uh, every single Wednesday and a Thursday show at 12 p.m. Eastern time every single Thursday. We go ahead and knock these babies out. We do our early slate first and our late slate last. And keep it all chronologically. So uh, go ahead and make sure that you comment in. We've got several people in the chat already. Uh, Stephen Kufi, uh, I think, Mark Holmes, etc. You guys jump in with any games that you want to discuss, and we will attack them in the Q&A 
at the end of the show. We've got multiple games that we want to discuss. Uh, hey, let's go ahead and dive into our recap from last week. Let's uh, let's see how we did and what our record is for the season thus far. So far, <sighs> numbers not uh, not as great as as I personally would appreciate, but we are going to be okay because we're still above water. We're still above fifty percent. I, uh, Gary, by the way, your host at Gary WCE on Twitter. 19 wins, 16 losses, and two pushes out of 37 picks. Kyle, out of 27 picks, is 16 and 11, so still above board. Parker, 19 and 25 losses uh, with two pushes out of 46 picks. Overall, 54 wins, 52 losses, and four pushes. Uh, Could be better, but that's what we're here for. We are learning as we go. And we will continue to get better throughout the season. I feel good about this. I feel good about this. So, uh, gentlemen, last week was not the uh, the records that we wanted. I personally went two and five, and I was uh, the worst of all of us. And I've had a two and five week on here before. I've also had a a five and two week, two five and two weeks. So, so I think this week we're getting back in the win column. I'm feeling good about it. Let's go ahead and dive into the first game, and we are going to start on Friday night. Temple heads to Cincinnati. Cincy, a 29-and-a-half-point home favorite. The total sits at 54-and-a-half. A A lot of, uh, I take that back, not a lot of points for such a big spread there. Not a lot at all. Uh, Let me go ahead and and give you some background on this, some betting trends. Temple 7-and-2 against the spread against Cincinnati in their last nine. They have covered the last five straight. The last time these two teams met was in 2019. Uh, obviously, last year was a shortened season, so they did not get to play. But in 2019, since he won this game 15-13, to 13, it is a huge letdown spot for Cincinnati after a massive win at Touchdown Jesus over Notre Dame. Uh, gentlemen, I I have a feel on this. I've got a lot of notes on this, but I want to get you guys in here first. Kyle, let me go ahead and start with you. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Bearcats with such a massive, massive line? Yeah, I mean, uh, the Bearcats coming off what they're probably their program's biggest win ever um, at Notre Dame. Great performance by them. Um, you know, they, they showed up a lot better than they did against Indiana. I thought that was a really impressive performance by them. You know, I'm personally rooting for the Bearcats to to make some noise here and uh, kind of shake up the playoffs a little bit. But I have to say, you know, we're laying a ton of points here if you're taking Cincinnati with a low total, like Gary just said. And quietly, Temple hasn't played that bad here of late. You know, they only allowed 4.6 yards per play against Boston College. That final score was pretty misleading. Great win over Memphis last week. Look, I'm not saying Memphis is a great team, but that's a good win. Dewan Mathis threw for 322 yards in that game. Uh, The Owls have clearly improved in recent weeks. You know, I think that uh, Cincinnati, uh, no fluke win there over Notre Dame. We know that Cincinnati's really good. I don't think the key question to this handicap is, can Cincinnati win by this many points? I think the question is, does Cincinnati care to run up the score in a game like this? Because they're also playing UCF next week, which has kind of become a rival for them here in recent seasons. So I do kind of wonder, you know, is this the type of game that you take your foot off the gas if you're Cincinnati late in the game? Situational spot-wise, lean Temple here pretty strongly. Uh, My power ratings don't necessarily love Temple in this one. I do worry about the coaching mismatch. Luke Fickle, light years better than Rod Carey. No doubt about that. But, you know, Cincinnati is due for some regression as well. They've allowed opponents into the red zone 13 times this year. Their opponents have scored any points 
only six times out of those 13 trips. So regression to the mean likely coming there. This is a ton of points, Gary. I have to lean toward Temple. I tend to agree with you. You brought up the sandwich spot there with UCF coming up next week. UCF did not look great against Navy last week, but uh, it's still a rivalry game. It's still a game that you want to make sure that all of your guys are prepared for, et cetera. We had somebody jump into the chat. Uh, Trey Parlay said, since you big fellas, they need the style points going forward. I, I don't know that this is the spot that you need style points. At the, later on in the season, you will need style points to figure out where you are in the rankings, et cetera. But right now, uh, it is survive in advance. And I do believe that they will win the game. But, uh, Parker, let me get you in here. Uh, stat that I was was curious about. Temple on the season, number 49 EPA per play defense. And Cincy's offense, number 59 EPA per play offense. Now, that doesn't tell the whole story. We get that. But I don't think Temple is as bad as as we have maybe made them out to be. They've played significantly better since Dewan Mathis got back in the lineup. Uh, what are your thoughts on this matchup? Yes. Um, I mean, you guys took the, took the words right out of my mouth, you know, like, uh, like, like meatloaf there, but, uh, but generally, I mean, this is a situation where I think Cincinnati doesn't care about style points because Cincinnati would rather have a statement win over UCF uh, next week. I think they played a physical matchup with Notre Dame. It was a lot of emotion. And so I don't see this as a letdown spot so much as a recovery spot. Um, you know, I, I, I have, on offense, Temple at, at 92nd overall. Uh, Cincinnati, obviously, 14th on defense um, uh, in, in the past specifically. And so even though Dewan Mathis has been playing better, they really haven't faced a defense of this caliber. Uh, Temple's one of the slower teams in the nation. They're running on 54.2% of early downs. Again, that has changed a little bit since Mathis has been back. But still, I do expect this game to go pretty quickly and pretty quietly. Um, Cincinnati will, will, will be able to shut them down generally. One stat to watch for is um, field position. Cincinnati is allowing opponents to start at their uh, own 30, which is 85th in the nation. That's about the only thing that Cincinnati does relatively poorly. And even that can be attributed to a couple, uh, you know, kind of outliers. But still, if, if Temple, who is 74th in field position on offense, can get a couple short fields, maybe they can catch Cincinnati and keep it close. I stayed away with this one just because, like we talked about, sandwich spot. There's a bigger game next week. Played a physical game last week. And 29, 29 and a half is just a whole lot for a team who really, you know, they're, they're at home. And I don't think people are going to get up for Temple as much as they did for going to South Bend last week. I tend to agree with that. I am going to side with Temple on this. This line has gotten all the way out to 29 and a half, like we talked about. Uh, Dewan Mathens, over 70% completion percentage over the last two games, five touchdowns, no interceptions. Now, no, those teams are not anything compared to Cincinnati, but these are two coaches that would prefer to, to let this game go slow, let the clock just continue ticking, run the ball, get out of there. Don't have to worry about it. Rod Carey, defensive guy. He and Luke Fickle, both defensive guys, they will play this kind of close to the vest. I don't see a lot of risks being taken. I don't see a ton of explosive plays, anything like that. I, I Maybe Temple tries a few here and there, but for the most part, I think Cincinnati would just be comfortable with a double-digit win and get out of Dodge. Get ready for UCF next week where they will have an extra day to prepare since this game is on a Friday night. Uh, so let's move to the official picks here. And, of course, remind everybody, I'm going to do this every time, toss your picks in the comment. We want to know what you think about this game, so give us your opinions as well. I am going to ride Temple plus 29.5. I feel like over four touchdowns is just way too much in this spot, especially considering all the success that the Owls have had against Cincinnati over the last 
decade. I will certainly take him in this spot. I uh, feel pretty good about it. Feel pretty good about it. All right, moving on to the next game. This is a big one on Friday night. Stanford heads to Arizona State. Herm and them boys are looking all right, especially after win a big win against UCLA last week. The line sits currently with the Sun Devils a 13-point favorite at home, total of 51 and a half. Uh, last last time these two teams played, Stanford won 20 to 13, and that was all the way back in 2018. Stanford six and one straight up the last seven against Arizona State. Uh, Stanford has won and covered three straight games as a road dog, not against Arizona State, just period. Uh, Arizona State one and eight against the spread of their last nine games as a home favorite. Uh, guys, I looking at this, I felt great about Stanford early in the week. And then I backed off of it because I, I think I was maybe buying a little too much into what they were able to do against Oregon last week. And I don't know how much of that was the offensive coordinator being out for the Ducks, et cetera. Um, but I, I do think there is something to this coaching matchup with David Shaw against Herm Edwards. I think Arizona State has the significantly better team, but I, I don't know which way to, to go with this. Parker, let's go back to you on this fantastic matchup, uh, late night Friday night game. Give me your thoughts on this. We this is what we texted about. I think all three of us kind of went back and forth. Like, man, I think this could be something. And now it's you know a pretty big line. And um, I'm I'm interested in in watching this because again, I think this is the week that we kind of know who's who in the Pac-12. Really, there's been a lot of uncertainty. There's been about a, uh, been a lot of weird results. But I have this one at about 11 points on the dot. It makes me really really nervous here. There's some nice complementarity here. So Arizona State ninth in the nation overall in offense. Uh, Stanford is 87th in defense. And the way those kind of match up, uh, Arizona State, largely driven by Jaden Daniels' scrambling ability, is first in EPA per rush. And Stanford is 121st in defending the rush at 0.24 uh, EPA per, per rush. So I think that area, th th this will be a surprisingly physical game and not from the side you expected. We've talked about this before, but Stanford is kind of letting things loose. They are the 33rd fastest team in the nation in my numbers, 47% of passes on, uh, or 40% of early, 47% of early downs are passes, Gary. So, um, th this is not, you know, your David Shaw, we're lining up with three tight ends and shoving the ball down your throat. And then Arizona state's running the ball a whole lot. Um, the, the, other matchup that is really interesting to me, Stanford's offense, really, really good on early downs, 11th in early downs EPA, and they are 104th in third and fourth down success. So kind of inverted to what the stereotype of Stanford is, these guys are either moving the ball in space or they're, they're really struggling to convert and extend drives. Uh, only 34% completion or, or success rate on third and fourth downs, whereas Arizona State's defense, 65th in the nation at 41.6. So Stanford should be able to move the ball on early downs. What I think will determine whether this becomes a, a close nail biter or, you know, a game where Arizona State's offense kind of outpaces Stanford is, can Stanford convert some of those late downs and extend drives and give McKee some opportunities to kind of make uh, make plays here. On the contrary, Stanford's uh, defense on early downs is awful. 93rd in the nation. Arizona State is 45th, but a complete inverse mirror image matchup here. Arizona State fourth on third and fourth down success rate, and uh, Stanford's defense is 89th. So you kind of have these weird mismatches on both sides of the ball. It's a really interesting matchup. There's too much uncertainty here for me in what Stanford's shown week to week for me to bet on them. I certainly lean for them to cover. Um, my my model has both of them, uh, both teams over 30 points. And so I would also lean towards an over here because I do think that this will be a surprisingly offensive matchup. 
Um, but I'm going to stay away just because, again, that number, is, I, I just don't trust Stanford very much. A lot of volatility in this game, or, or possibly in this matchup, uh, and I could absolutely see it. Kyle, I, I feel great about Tanner McKee and what he's been able to do thus far. I think he'll be able to throw the ball on Arizona State, but I, I don't know that for sure. It, one thing that I do know for sure is that Arizona State is going to be able to run on Stanford's defense. The question is how much and how often do they have the ball and do they convert third downs, et cetera. Uh, Kyle, give me give me your thoughts on the Sun Devils here. Yeah, guys, I don't know if this is controversial or not, but I think Arizona State might be the best team in the Pac-12. Um, you that's know, a low that bar, means, Kyle. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's fair. I, you know, I could see myself getting bashed in the comments or something for something like that. But, you know, it is a pretty low bar. We thought maybe Oregon was the best team. Uh, Oregon with a pretty bad showing there last week. Um, Ohio State's not as good as people thought they were when they won that game. You know, I, I think Arizona State has the talent. We knew that there were some question marks about Arizona State coming into the season, but they're a very talented team. Edwards has done a good job recruiting there. Um, the thing about this game that really kind of confuses me is how is this the same Stanford team that was absolutely blown out in week one by Kansas State? That was one that all of us had, Kansas State there. Tanner McKee has certainly been tremendous, and now that they have him as the clear starter, it's helped them quite a bit. The defense has gotten some better. Uh, what they're trying to do is uh, limit explosive plays. They've allowed 15 plays of 20 yards or more this year, which is 20th best in the country. The secondary has been better here of late. Like Gary said, I really do wonder if Arizona State can just run the football a lot, though, on, on Stanford. Um, the other thing about this game is some people think these matter. Some people think they don't. But I think it's interesting to pass along regardless. 54% of the bets on Stanford so far this week, 86% of the money on Arizona State. So somebody really likes Arizona State in this game. That's why we've seen the, the line go up to what it has. Arizona State is fourth in the nation in yards per play margin at plus 2.78. Fairly easy schedule, but still pretty impressive. Arizona State is number one in the nation in pass blocking grade at PFF and plus 11 sack margin in just five games. I think Arizona State's the much better team here, but they're coming off a win that was a massive win for them laying a big big number here with a fairly low total. Um, I'm a bit hesitant about the, the total here because Stanford unadjusted tempo is 120th in the country, Arizona State 121st. Um, yeah, I don't have much on this game. I would like to take Arizona State, but the market's priced me out of it. That's I tend to feel the same way. Like I said, I felt good about Stanford. I saw the line movement. I started paying more attention to the advanced metrics. I decided I have no idea which way this is going to go. It's just going to be a fun Friday night game uh, with a couple of pops. And uh, and that that's what we'll roll with it. So let's move to the official plays. Again, toss your plays into the comments. We want to know which way you think this is going to go. Uh, but we don't have an official play on this game. We we thought we might have something early. And, and now uh, this is just going to be fun. This is going to be interesting. I think it's going to tell us a lot going forward in this Pac-12 race. Kyle, by the way, I don't think that that's a, a crazy controversial take at all. Has anybody else shown us anything more than what Arizona State has? They look like the best team right now in the Pac-12. So I, I don't think that that's a, a crazy take. Uh, a lot of people had them winning the Pac-12 before all of the NCAA stuff in the offseason. Uh, it looks like it has not affected them too much. And so, and I think that's that's the biggest question everybody had going into the season. Let's move on to the next game. We are going to move to the SEC, jump into Saturday 12 p.m. Eastern time action. Arkansas heads to Oxford, Mississippi. They are going down to the Grove with old Lane Kiffin. Uh, Ole Miss 
a five and a half point favorite at home right now. Total is 67 here. And look, last year, Arkansas kind of embarrassed Ole Miss. They completely confused this Ole Miss offense uh, to, a, to a tune of 33 to 20. Uh, the familiar, uh, excuse me, the familiarity between these two teams is a big, big part of this game. Uh, this is kind of like the Spider-Man meme. I, I'm sure you guys have seen it where it's two Spider-Men like pointing at each other. That's kind of how I feel these teams are. They kind of run the same defense. They kind of run the same stuff on offense. Uh, not a whole lot in the middle of the field uh, allowed. Uh, not a whole lot of uh, explosive plays uh, for opposing teams. Like it's keep everything in front of you and don't do anything crazy with the football. Uh, this this could get really, really crazy. Arkansas 7-1 and one against the spread against Ole Miss in their last eight. Arkansas 5-2 and two against the spread overall, their last seven as a road underdog. Ole Miss 4-3-1 and one against the spread um, as a home favorite under, uh, since 2019. I, um, I really like this matchup here. I really love this matchup. Uh, Kyle, let me, let me go on and start with you on this. I, I believe that what we saw out of these two teams last week is not indicative of the kind of teams that they actually are. Arkansas is not uh, awful because they went and got blasted by Georgia. And same with Ole Miss. They are not a terrible football team just because they got beat uh, by three touchdowns in Tuscaloosa. Uh, tell me tell me your thoughts on the Razorbacks and the Rebels here. Yeah, I think that's more than fair. I think both of these teams coming off kind of embarrassing losses. It's not embarrassing to lose to Alabama, but Ole Miss's offense was surprisingly weak in that game. Great showing by that Bama defense for sure. You know, Arkansas was totally embarrassed by Georgia. I think a lot of teams will be embarrassed by Georgia this year. Who bounces back? You could argue it's a bounce back spot for either team. Uh, it, it was Arkansas that caused Matt Corral to throw six interceptions last year. That game, 33-21, Arkansas win. That game was played in rain and heavy wind, really bad conditions. I think that's important to keep in mind. We can't just predict that Corral is going to do terribly against Arkansas right away. Um, I think Ole Miss is probably a little bit better than Arkansas, and I kind of want to take them in this game, but I don't like betting on a team that just got beaten up by Alabama. Alabama, a very physical team, not a team I want to uh, back their opponent in in the next game, certainly. Uh, one other reason I can't take Ole Miss here, they're 111th in success rate allowed on rushing plays. What's Arkansas going to be doing here? They're going to be running the ball constantly. Um, you know, Ole Miss ninth in the nation in rushing play success on offense. I think they'll have success running the ball. Corral will be better offensively than he was last year. I lean to the over in this game. If I had to bet something in this game, I'd take the over. Very torn on the side here. I can totally understand that. Uh, what you bring up about getting beat up in Tuscaloosa kind of goes the same with Arkansas getting beat up at Georgia. However, true. The the one side of this is that you could tell early on once Arkansas was out of that game. They were able to get reps for other guys. They didn't put anybody at risk. Like everybody in that stadium knew what the deal was as soon as Georgia was up, what, 21 to nothing or whatever it was early. So so there wasn't anything crazy. It's not like Arkansas just got blasted for four quarters. They they actually got some guys some rest, got reps, et cetera. I, I thought it was well-schemed, well-played by both coaches in that spot. Uh, with Ole Miss – you know, Lane was still trying to score with with two minutes left in the game. It was uh, it was strange. Parker, uh, Ole Miss, it, like like Kyle just said, they can't stop the run. They run a three two six defense, which is exactly what Barry Odom ran last year against them. But 
Ole Miss doesn't have the horses on the line to be able to do that and stand up against a good rushing attack. And Arkansas has got a good rushing attack uh, with multiple backs that can they can go pretty deep in that aspect. Uh, give me your thoughts here. Yeah, so this uh, the Houston Nut Memorial Bowl, if you will, is one that I have circled just because it was so crazy last year. And I think that this is a really interesting test of the post-Alabama theory and the post-Georgia theory. You'll remember, Gary, that the offensive coordinator at Arkansas uh, was the offensive coordinator and assistant head coach for Lane Kiffin at FAU back a couple years ago, 2017. And so they, the, the roots in this game run run deep. And um, I, I think uh, the, the, the way I lean a little bit is that Ole Miss's defense is just not as good uh, as, as Arkansas's. And so I have Arkansas at, a, at 22nd in EPA margin, whereas I have Ole Miss at 40th. Now, again, quality of opponent, they played Alabama. One big thing that I'm looking for, speaking of the rushing attack, um, Arkansas 56th uh, in rushing success rate on offense, which is 40.3 or 40.3%. Uh, and Ole Miss's defense is allowing 43.4, which is 94th in the nation, according to my numbers. Arkansas's EPA per rush is only 61st in the nation. So Arkansas is not breaking any big runs. I wonder if we'll be able to do that, especially because their offense is so boom and bust with whether KJ Jefferson can can connect downfield. The flip side, last week, Matt Corral was pressured on 50% of his 36 dropbacks. Um, he only attempted three passes longer than 20 yards. He is kind of the the 20 yards king. He led the nation in adjusted completion percent on balls 20, uh, 20 plus yards downfield last week. And so if Arkansas can disrupt and if Arkansas can get pressure, uh, that'll be really, really uh, hard for Ole Miss to win this game. The kicker for me, though, two weeks ago, Arkansas played uh, an Ala, or a Texas A&M team with a revolving door at the offensive line, and they really did not get much pressure, only 35% of dropbacks. And so uh, those two, the Arkansas rushing game and then whether Ole Miss's offensive line can hold up uh, and give Matt Corral time are two key points that kind of define this game for me. Again, since both teams had such big blowouts and such physical games last week, uh, I'm staying away from it. I would lean. Uh, I, I have this right at a touchdown. And so I don't even know that I have a lean on this one because my numbers in Vegas are just uh, agreeing that it's going to be it's going to be close. I do have a lean. I do have an official play in this. Uh, go ahead and remind everybody, toss in your plays into the comments. We want to hear your opinion on the game. Uh, Arkansas runs the ball 66.56% of the time. They get 5.2 yards per rush. That is number 21 in the country. Uh, yes, the EPA, I'm with you. Uh, but that's because they do run it a ton, and you're not going to score on every play. That makes sense. Ole Miss, their defense, like I said, number 90 in EPA per rush. I do believe that Arkansas is a patient enough offense that they will be able to take the three yards in a cloud of dust kind of deal that, uh, that Ole Miss will offer to them. Uh, I do believe that Barry Odom can come up with multiple schemes, multiple things here. I Let's move to the official plays. I'm going to roll with Arkansas plus the five and a half. Now, I've, I already bet this at seven. I still feel good at five and a half because I think Arkansas can win the game outright. Uh, Arkansas is more battle-tested. They are, think about this. They have beaten Texas. They have beaten Texas A&M. And then they got walloped by Georgia. Who has Ole Miss beaten that we did not expect them to beat? Uh, nobody to this point. So you get one shot in Tuscaloosa, and that's your big game. And then you get to come home. That certainly should help, but the fact that this is an early game, I, I will take Arkansas. I think that helps them quite a bit in this spot. Uh, moving on, game number four, 
We got the Red River Showdown, the Red River Rivalry. I don't guess we can say shootout anymore, uh, but that's okay. Oklahoma, a three-and-a-half-point favorite in the Cotton Bowl against the Texas Longhorns. Last year, Oklahoma, 53-45 to 45 winners in four overtimes. Oklahoma, 2-7 and seven against the spread their last nine against Texas. But uh, those two wins there have come in the last three years. The, these numbers have gotten a lot shorter because it, it used to be where Oklahoma was favored by more than a touchdown uh, almost every time these two matched up. I, I'm curious about a lot in this game. The Oklahoma secondary can have some issues if Casey Thompson is on. Obviously, he was not on against uh, TCU last week. However, they do have B. John Robinson. I think they're going to have to use B. John Robinson a lot in the passing game this week because Oklahoma number six, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Parker, you can tell me in a minute, number six in EPA per rush uh, on defense. There's there's a lot to like about Oklahoma in this game. Parker, I won't I won't steal all your stats. I feel like you're going to have quite a bit on this game. Uh, Kyle, let's let's roll with you first on the Sooners and the Longhorns. Uh, give me your thoughts. This should be a fascinating matchup. Yeah, hopefully I don't steal some of Parker's stats, but I know Parker has a ton of stats, so I, I can't imagine. I, I, I should have told you guys stats. about my website. Darn it! <laughs> <laughs> should have kept it hidden, right? But yeah, I mean, Parker is our Big 12 expert, and uh, I respect his opinion a lot here on the Big 12. I will say Oklahoma is really disappointed at this point in the season. Certainly, everybody thought they would be better than they have been. I still think their upside is very high. Um, and 29th in yards per play margin at plus 1.44 yards per play, which really isn't very good. Um, Sagarin has them with the 72nd toughest schedule so far this year. So they have underachieved to this point. That's why the line is what it is. Texas had that one really bad showing against Arkansas. Uh, they figured out who their best quarterback is now, which certainly helps them quite a bit. Bijan Robinson is tremendous. Like you said, Oklahoma, very good at stopping the run, 13th in yards per carry allowed, 16th in opponent rushing play success rate. This Alex Grinch defense is going to make Thompson uh, throw the ball here. I, I think that's really uh, what they want to do is make them have to throw the ball. I think Texas can throw the ball some. I agree with Gary that you would think they will use Bijan Robinson in the passing game as well here. Um, Texas, 99th in the country in yards per play allowed at 6.03. So I don't think this defense is fixed for Texas. They're an ugly 112th in opponent passing play success rate. So let's see if Rattler and that passing attack can get going a little bit better here. One thing is, you know, 71st and 81st in tempo for these two teams. I would have expected them to be faster than that, actually a little bit slower than average. Um, Texas offensively converting on 55% of third down attempts so far this year. I think that's second best in the country. Regression has to be coming here in Parker. Uh, if, if these guys been in short down situations all year, or why are we at 55%? Yeah, so so Texas is uh, 6.92 average third down distance, which is 47th in the nation. So relatively manageable third downs for, for Texas all, all season. Um, I will say that when you have an excellent running back and you have some bad competition, um, that definitely helps inflate your third down success rate because even if you do get stuck, you're able to, you know, convert against Rice, for for example. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I think that uh, Texas, even with that 47th uh, ranking there, 55%, just not something that's going to be able to keep up. And you would think that that would be harder to replicate against an Oklahoma defense. So I, the one of the stats that I want to bring up in this game 
something that that terrifies me, but also makes a ton of sense. We know that Spencer Rattler and this offense have not been able to uh, create a ton of explosive plays so far this season. But if you look at their completion percentage, it's number two in the country. 75.36% of passes are completed. For Texas defense, number 126 in opponent completion percentage, uh, 73.79% they allow. Uh, I feel like Oklahoma is going to be able to do the short to intermediate passing game all day in this spot. Parker, uh, tell me tell me your thoughts here. I am going to sound like a tinfoil uh, wearing uh, conspiracy theorist here, but I don't think that Lincoln Riley has shown the full playbook um, from from Spencer Rattler. I really do not believe that this offense has um, been been trying to do everything that they're capable of. And I do think that's some uh, some of the issues with being underwhelmed on some drives, maybe trying to work on some new concepts and some stuff is uh, a, a little bit different. There are some growing pains, of course, Rattler, you know, the offseason immense pressure and everything. But um, I do think that that, that Riley has um, some some not, not not tricks because his offense is just great. But I think he has some wrinkles that he hasn't put on. Um, on on film yet. The thing that I think is so interesting about Steve Sarkeesian taking over at Texas is uh, B. John Robinson, B. John Robinson, B. John Robinson. It's kind of like Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Like I just, I hear his name so much and he's an excellent running back, but the, he, the, the comps to Najee Harris that were being thrown around this offseason were just frankly irresponsible because Texas doesn't really have that downfield uh, threat. Worthy is is, is pretty good, um, but I've been underwhelmed with Texas the last week, uh, last couple of weeks. You know, they they ran up the score against Texas Tech. There were some players that were injured. Texas Tech changed quarterbacks um, last week against TCU. They were they were fairly matched and actually in a position to be. Uh, down pretty early uh, by a couple scores, were it not for for a penalty that kind of uh, gave them new life, they 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 rushed a lot against TCU. They really didn't get a lot of passing, um, and specifically, Bijan Robinson in the past game has only been targeted uh, 11 times this season. He's on three against TCU, two against Texas Tech in the last two weeks, and so I know that um, the matchup between Oklahoma's linebackers. And Bijan Robinson out of the backfield definitely leans towards Texas. And so that's something they'll want to exploit. But with Grinch at defensive coordinator, that's kind of like a, well, he knows what's coming situation. Um, I, what, what's interesting is, is the run game on both sides of the ball. Oklahoma, uh, 54th in EPA per rush, which is certainly below where they want. But they're also rushing a little bit more than they have been historically. Texas's rushing defense has been pretty bad. They got carved up last week uh, by, by Zach Evans for TCU, 78th in EPA per rush allowed on defense. And um, they are also, uh, speaking of their third down success on offense, they're allowing a 46.8% third down conversion percentage, which is 97th in the nation. And so I think Oklahoma is going to run, take some pressure off of Spencer Rattler. And I think that this game leans towards, can Casey Thompson beat Oklahoma's secondary? I don't think that Texas has an overwhelming talent advantage in any facet of the pass game. And although Texas's efficiency, uh, 23rd in EPA per pass and 40th in offensive success rate has been pretty good. Again, that's not adjusting for quality of competition. And so I think that Oklahoma is going to do everything they can to stop Bijan Robinson and say, beat us somewhere else. Now, Bijan Robinson might be able to break through that. He's a monster. But I do think that Oklahoma has slowly, quietly been improving. There's been some stuff around the edges that has been a little bit difficult for them to iron out. But I do think that they're geared up for a big game. I think Lincoln Riley, again, like I said, has some of that playbook out. And so 
I, I love Oklahoma and the points here. I, I would have taken this at, at five. And so to get this at three and a half, I think, is the, the line here I, I really like. Um, and so I think that Oklahoma comes out, looks like the playoff contender that we do that we thought they were this year and has some things uh, ironed out on the offensive side. A little bit confusing because Texas's caliber of opponent has been really bad and they've looked really good. But overall, um, I, I do think that this Oklahoma team is still vastly better. I I like it. I like it. Said everything you need to say. Let's move to the official plays. Of course, remind everybody, make sure and toss your pick for the game in the comments. We want to hear your thoughts on it. Uh, Parker is going to side with the Sooners minus three and a half. And, uh, and while Kyle and I are, are going to pass on it, I, I can understand that side of it. Looking at the numbers, looking at the way that this game shapes up, it definitely makes sense to me. Uh, go ahead and remind everybody. Make sure and like the video. I see over 60 people watching, and it's like 13 likes. Uh, that's that's bananas. That that math does not add up. Everybody go ahead and like the video for us. That certainly helps us out. We definitely appreciate it. We're, we're hitting record numbers every week, and you guys are the reason for that. We certainly appreciate it. Uh, if you have not already, make sure you are subscribed to the channel and that you hit the notification bell again every Wednesday and every Thursday. We are going live right here talking the, the most value on these college football games. Uh, we feel we feel great about it. Of course, there is a Q&A at the end of the show, so make sure that you get your questions in. This is the early slate today. We've already had one question in about TCU and Texas Tech. Uh, we will hit on that one in tomorrow's Q&A for the late slate because that is a, a late game. So uh, with that said, um, of course, tomorrow's show, 12 p.m. Eastern time. Make sure you come back for that one. Should be should be a lot of fun. we got some big games that we're going to discuss tomorrow as well. Moving on, another 12 p.m. Eastern time game. This one in the Big Ten. The Maryland Terrapins head over to the Horseshoe to face off against the Ohio State Buckeyes. And Ohio State, a 21-point favorite at home, total of 71. That is a lot of points, my friends. Uh, the over is 6-0 all time in this matchup. Maryland, 2-4 and four against the spread all time against Ohio State. Uh, when I say all time, they just joined the Big Ten, uh, what, seven seasons ago, somewhere around there. Uh, so they've only played six times. The Ohio State offense, number three in points per game, number two in points per play, number one in yards per play. I, I believe the uh, the demise has been greatly exaggerated for this Buckeyes team. Uh, Maryland, I don't believe, is going to be able to stop these guys. Um, but maybe Maryland can create some explosive plays, maybe make this thing interesting uh, because the Ohio State defense, while not as bad as I believe originally advertised, it, they ain't great. So let's, uh, Kyle, let's let's get you in here. Uh, you and Parker both, I think, have thoughts on this one. It, Kyle, you know, I, you, you got your Bengals hat on. You're representing Ohio right there. Tell me, tell me why we should like a total of 71. Yeah, I mean, rumor has it that I'm a big Ohio State fan, and that's certainly true. Um, you know, this is this is a spot where usually I kind of stay away from Ohio State games because I'd rather just root for them as a fan. Um, you know, in this spot, though, I think Ohio State's going to score a bunch of points. And since we can't give out a team total over because that's not widely available and we don't know exactly what that line will be, I kind of like the over in this one. I liked it better when it was 68. You know, 71 is a pretty high number, but... Having said that, I think there's still some value here. Look, Maryland was crushed by Iowa, but Iowa has a great secondary. Ohio State does not have that same secondary. Um, there's no way Ohio State can can uh, stop them at the same rate. 
Talia is ranked uh, third at PFF in quarterback grade this year, and that's after last week. So he, he was really good uh, up until that point. Obviously, Ohio State ranks 54th in opponent passing play success rate. This secondary for Ohio State, look, I've watched it as a fan. Time and time again, they can give up big yardage through the air, especially when they're playing from the lead. And we expect them to be playing from the lead here. I think Maryland can get passing yards here when they're down. Uh, despite the key injury at wide receiver, I do think Maryland can score here in this one. Ohio State on offense, first in the nation yards per play, like Gary said. C.J. Stroud ranks 15th in quarterback grading at PFF. Stroud was really good last week. That was definitely his best game so far. And Ohio State in general looked very good. Travion Henderson's definitely a problem. Uh, very, very good running back with uh, elite skills there. And Ohio State's offensive line may be a bit underrated by some people. Very good offensive line, great wide receivers. Ohio State, 38 plays of 20 yards or more in just five games. That's very explosive offense. When I take a high over, I have to take it with a team that I think can go quickly and a team that can get a lot of big plays. I think Ohio State can do that. Both these teams play at a faster than average tempo. I do like the over in this one. And I certainly lean toward Ohio State if I were taking a side. That uh, that does all make sense. They they are playing significantly better at, lately. C.J. Stroud last week for sure definitely looked a lot more comfortable in the offense. Uh, and that is the one thing I feel like sometimes we forget is these teams can develop and they can improve throughout the season. Uh, early losses are not the death knell, right? It, for Texas, we saw that for sure where they get walloped by Arkansas and they have – uh, improved drastically ever since. Kind of the same thing going on with Ohio State. Parker, uh, tell me about the Buckeyes here. Uh, what is their like with this team? It might be the case that we are underrating uh, Ohio State's offense, which is a crazy thing to say because they've played Tulsa and Akron and Rutgers last week, and that's not exactly a, an inspiring slate. But, uh, you know, even in that game against Oregon, um, that was 45-31. Iowa, or Ohio State was still putting up points. The issue there was defense. I have them at second overall in EPA per play offense, raw, only behind Coastal Carolina, who has just been obliterating awful teams. And so the fact that they're so close uh, is a testament to just how explosive this Ohio State offense is. Um, the, the key here will, of course, be Ohio State's passing defense. Like Kyle said, I have Ohio State at 38th overall in defensive success rate. They're 10th against the rush, 98th against the pass and success rate, allowing 43.8% success. Against the slate of teams they've played, that's not very good. Um, in, in terms of EPA, I have them at 69th in EPA per pass. Um, the flip side is Maryland passes with so much volume, they're the 14th fastest team in the nation according to my um, rushing metrics, that their EPA per pass is, is pretty low because they want to get a lot of opportunities and want to break free. One thing that I think will be interesting, Ohio State is absolutely going to score on Maryland. Maryland's defense is um, 34th. That's unadjusted for opponent. They um, have really, really struggled this, this season. Uh, one thing to look for, what Iowa was able to do against Maryland, if you'll allow me to talk football for a minute, their cornerbacks were so good. They were all able to isolate guys outside and make the middle of the field very, very tough to read. And if you look at uh, Talia's passing chart for the season, he's kind of made hay in that, you know, uh, between the numbers cylinder. Last week, he threw four interceptions in between the numbers because Iowa was able to shut down the outside game. If Ohio State's corners, which we uh, believe uh, are not that talented and can't isolate Maryland's uh, 
wide receivers out there, I expect Maryland to be able to take some pressure off. I think they'll score a couple of points. I lean towards the over, but I do think that Ohio State is looking to get quality reps, looking to re- uh, rehab their reputation. And so overall, I will go with uh, Ohio State and the points. I felt like I should have taken Ohio State against Rutgers last week. 15 was just absurdly small, but I'm feeling a little gun shy with the Buckeyes as of late. Uh, however, against Maryland, I don't I don't see it. I can absolutely see Ohio State cruising in this one. They uh, they have been blasting opponents in the past over the years and whatnot, and I, I fully expect them to do the same here. So let's jump into the official plays again. Remind everybody: toss in your comments into the comment section on this video and uh, let us know your thoughts. So uh, with that said, Parker is going to ride Ohio State minus 21 and Kyle is going to ride the over 71. And I like both of these plays because I honestly feel like Ohio State could score 70 in this game if they wanted to. So I'm going to pass on it because uh, like I said, I'm a little gun shy with the Buckeyes right now, but uh, that, that might change very, very soon. Might change very soon. Let's move on to the next game here, and we are moving to the Big 12. And this one, I guess you might could describe as a slobber knocker. West Virginia heads to Baylor. Baylor, a three-point favorite at home, total of 44 and a half. Now, West Virginia has covered three straight against Baylor. They are four and one straight up against the Bears in their last five. Uh, As a matter of fact, last season, they went to two overtimes. West Virginia got the win uh, 27 to 21 in this spot in Dave Aranda's first season. Baylor's defense, statistically, probably the best unit on the field. They are number 14 in SP plus defensive efficiency. Uh, but the question right now is can the offense score on West Virginia's number 24 defense? I don't know the answer to that question right now. Uh, these two teams feel like they are mirror images of each other uh, and maybe. Maybe Parker and Kyle can help me out with that a little bit. Uh, Baylor's offense has been awful since the first three drives against Iowa State. It, it's like they put something on on film, and and now they're just not as as uh, impressive as they looked in the non-conference slate. Let's uh, let's go ahead and we'll go ahead and bring Kyle in first because I, I know you've got some thoughts on this total uh, of 44 and a half. Uh, what do you think about the Bears and the Mountaineers? Yeah, you know, I like the under in this one. I know it's a low total, but it's a low total for a good reason. You know, if we look at West Virginia's offense, we've talked about Jared Dagey being a problem here quite a few times. I I have to make a reference nearly every show, it seems. Um, But Jared Dagey ranks 125th in the country in quarterback grade, according to PFF. His A dot in his last two games is 7.7 and 7.0 yards. I think this is a West Virginia offense that's getting very uh, conservative on purpose. I think that makes sense based on his uh, issues there at quarterback. The other thing is Letty Brown is not having the success that I thought he would have in the running game. This West Virginia offense, 103rd in yards per carry so far this year. Um, West Virginia is playing very conservatively. I think they'll continue to do that. Their offensive line, to be fair, it's not all on Jarrett Dagey here. 64th in the country in PFF pass blocking grade and 70th and run blocking not very good baylor has an above average pass rush i think they will be bothering deggy in this game and the question here gary is 
uh, is Baylor's offense actually good? You know, because if you look at their yards per play for the course of the season, they look like they're really good. But then you start looking down through who they played against, and it makes a lot of sense why they would look really good on a, a raw numbers basis. Um, they're 11th in the nation in yards per play. They're definitely not the 11th best offense in the country. They had just 280 yards against Oklahoma State last week. And look, they only had 282 yards against Iowa State. Um, Iowa State special teams certainly helped Baylor score a lot of points in that game. Uh, the Cyclones had some major issues there. West Virginia is 28th in yards per play allowed, a lead against the run, sixth in yards per carry allowed. Uh, Baylor wants to run, very run heavy. 62% of their plays are runs. The last two years, uh, these teams played a 17-14 game and then 14-14 in regulation before double overtime. And I just have to say, I had the under in last year's game. I just <laughs> barely brutal. won. I was I just barely won, but I, you know, that was one of those where I, I decided like I don't know if that was worth it or not, but I am happy I won. You know, it was one of those really sweated out games. But I think we see another conservative game and strong defense between these two teams. West Virginia 90th in tempo, Baylor 102nd. Two conservative teams, two defenses that are better than the offenses. I'll take the under. I can uh, I can side with that. Parker, it's nice to have you back, of course. <laughs> uh, so Baylor and, and West Virginia here, uh, Kyle, you know, loves the under in this. Baylor, a three-point favorite at home. We talked about what is the real Baylor offense because after the first three drives against Iowa State, they have not performed well against the Cyclones or last week against the Cowboys. Uh, give me give me your thoughts on on Baylor here and, and what can we expect from them against the Mountaineers? Yeah, so Baylor's offense after going, uh, you know, astronomical numbers against fake teams, played Iowa State, the first three drives went up 21 nothing. They did not score a touchdown for their next 12 consecutive drives, Gary, across two games there. Just absolutely shut down. They don't trust Jerry Bohannon at all anymore to make any kind of downfield. Against Oklahoma State, they're trying to get there. There was one or two he threw. They were underthrown. They're really trying to focus on the run game. And, and, and Bohannon is young, and Bohannon needs some development. But this offense clearly showed some people a front that they hadn't seen, and I think uh, people are adjusting. Not only, like Kyle said, do you have two teams whose defenses are better than their offenses, you have two teams that don't trust their quarterbacks. Um, Daigie, the Daigie is a roller coaster, and you you have to you have to ride it. But he has not looked good in some moments. On the aggregate, they haven't been able to get him a clean pocket. Baylor has some extremely disruptive interior defensive linemen. Uh, Siaki Ika, the transfer from LSU, has been causing a lot of disruption up there. And so these numbers, especially if you don't account for quality of opponent, completely favor Baylor. 17th in EPA per margin, 23rd on offense, whereas. West Virginia is 79th in EPA margin and 85th on offense. But these defenses are a lot closer to each other than uh, it looks like. I believe that Terrell Bernard for Baylor is not 100% if he's going to um, going to play. Um, and so I think that this game is going to be under. I believe it's going to be ugly. One thing to look for, Baylor makes its hay on early downs, 23rd and early downs, um, excuse me, 18th and early downs EPA. Uh, and then on defense, they're really good at shutting down early downs. But in third downs in both situations, they really struggle. There's less of a drop-off for West Virginia. West Virginia's defense is 56th in early downs EPA, 75th on third and fourth down success. Were it not for two goal line stands against Virginia Tech, I think we'd have an entirely different perception of West Virginia as a team. So I think this is a game where Baylor sees an opportunity to get right. West Virginia is trying to find themselves. But I like Baylor to cover here just because I do believe they have an explosive offense. Tristan 
Ebner, Abram Smith in the backfield are really, really talented guys. And so I think that when, you know, quarterback play might not be that good, defense kind of overwhelms, there's some schematic issues on both sides. I'm going to go with the guys who have the more explosive playmakers. And Baylor right now has the more explosive playmakers. That seems to make a lot of sense to me. So let's move to the official plays here. Again, reminder, toss your picks in the comments. We want to hear your thoughts on the game. And Parker is going to ride with Baylor minus the three. And Parker and Kyle both like the under 44 and a half in this game. So I, a lot of, lot of action. A lot of action in this game. I can side with it. Let's, uh, let's roll quickly through another game right quick. SMU heads to Navy. And Navy, a 13 and a half point home dog in this spot. Total of 55 and a half. And... Look, Navy 7-3 and three against the spread, their last 10 against SMU. They are 5-0 and oh against the number at home against SMU. In 2020, SMU won this game 51-37. to 37. At, Look, Navy is 15-5 and five against the spread in their last 20 against the American Athletic Conference. It feels like they got right in that bye week. So they got blasted by Air Force, and since they have come back, they made a quarterback change before the UCF game. Uh, Ty... Lavatai. I hope I said that right. Good gracious. Uh, but the offense has been performing well since they got back uh, from that bye week. Parker, give me give me your thoughts here. I know that you kind of side with me on this. I I feel pretty good about Navy in the spot. They have looked like a significantly better team, and this is two years in a row that that they have kind of improved middle of the season ish, right? Yeah, and, and last season, you know, there's a, a very clear variable. They did some stuff in the offseason that probably wasn't too smart. And uh, with, with the whole tackling deal, and and uh, they just got blown out by BYU. They've looked really competitive against Houston and UCF the last two games. SMU, their, their offensive ceiling is not what it seems, especially in the pass game. I think their pass game, they have a lot of playmakers. They're underdeveloped in the pass game, though. Their rushing game has carried them. Um, and, and, and I think that the key stat for me here is, uh, you know, in terms of EPA kind of limiting explosiveness on defense, Navy is 49th. And so SMU does have the 12th best offense in terms of EPA in the nation, eighth best passing attack, but that's really fueled by some, some good plays against bad competition. I expect, um, with both of these teams rushing a lot more than you think SMU 51 uh, percent of early downs, Navy 84% of early downs. I expect this to be a possession heavy game. I expect this to be a little slower and I expect Navy to disrupt SMU in a way that they haven't um, been disrupted in the last couple of weeks. I think SMU wins. Their offense is obviously very high quality. Defense is a little shaky, but can do enough. But two scores here is a whole lot. And so I think that I, uh, given the history, given what Navy's looked like the last two weeks, I'm going with Navy to cover here. Um, even if I, I would, I would pick SMU money line. I, I tend to agree with you on everything that you just said. Let's go ahead and toss it to the official plays on this. Uh, we're both going to ride with Navy to cover the 13 and a half. You and I both, Kyle is going to sit this one out, uh, but I feel good about it. Of course, again, going to tell you every game, Toss your picks in the comments. We want to hear your thoughts on the game, so jump in there. Uh, and I do want to run, everybody, go ahead and like the video. We're sitting at uh, 73 watching right now. We've got 21 likes. Hit the like button. Smash that thing. We want to get these numbers up as high as possible, and we certainly appreciate you guys for watching the show. Last game on the board for today before we jump into the Q&A, and we've had a, a lot of questions. Uh, Georgia heads to Auburn in the South's oldest rivalry, Georgia, a 16-point road favorite. Total of 47 here. 
Uh, interesting stat. I told you guys before we went live, Bo Nix, 247 passes without an interception. That is number five in the SEC all time. He needs four more passes to break the all-time Auburn record and to jump into fourth place all-time in that metric. And with as much as I have dogged Bo Nix over the years, I felt like I should probably say something nice about him in this spot. Last year, Georgia won this game 27-6. to But gentlemen, uh, as good as Auburn looked last week, LSU ain't Georgia, my friends. Auburn is 2-8 and eight against the spread in their last 10 against the Dogs, 4-12 and 12 against the spread in their last 16. Uh, look, Georgia has covered the last four in this, and they have covered by 10 points over what the line was supposed to be on average. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Everybody tries to make this into uh, a bigger game than it should be, uh, but alas, it is what it is. Parker, let's go back to you right quick, and I'm going to close out with Kyle on it. Tell me about the Tigers and the Bulldogs here. What is it about Auburn that makes people believe that they have a shot to to even stay in this ballgame? Well, Gary, if I cover up, you know, one half of my preview and I just look at Auburn, I see Auburn is 29th in EPA margin. They're uh, 33rd on offense, 42nd on defense. They're moving the ball really, really well. Uh, 16th in success rate on offense, uh, even if, you know, versus um, versus the pass, they're 44th in EPA, 39th in the rush. Uh, quality possession rate, they're 17th. They're creating opportunities. They got a really gutsy win against LSU. They were down at the half last week. Um, and 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 look, Bo Nix is, you know, uh, speaking of roller coasters like Jared Dakey, Bo Nix is one of those guys where he's either going to win the game or he's going to do something that you just cannot explain. Georgia's defense is so unfathomably good, Gary. Georgia's defense in terms of EPA per play, the gap between Georgia in EPA per play and the number two team is bigger than the gap between the number two team and the number 22 team. Georgia is that much better. And granted, quality of opponent, it matters, I understand. But Georgia is absolutely shutting people down. They are denying. Um, and so I think that Georgia is going to be content to say, sure, Bo Nix, you can try and beat us. Uh, Auburn wants to run, but I don't know that they've been well uh, or they, they, they haven't been running great under, under Bobo or as well as they've wanted to. And so I think that Georgia is going to say, you know what? We're not going to let Bo Nix get out of the pocket. We're going to play contain. We want uh, to see if he can beat us over the top. They have the athletes at every position. Um, man, they're they're so good. That being said, 14's a lot. I do like what Auburn has kind of done since they've, uh, you know, bouncing back in that LSU game. Um, and specifically, uh, I, I think that Auburn will be able to hang for a little bit just on emotion and a prayer. I do think that Georgia will pull, uh, pull away here. I, I'm, I'm not playing this one uh uh, because 14 just feels like a lot. It's 16 now, I guess. So 16 yeah. feels like a lot of points. I would lean towards Auburn at that number. But then again, look what Georgia did to Arkansas last week. This is a team that enjoys inflicting pain on its opponents. And so I, I have no shortage of faith in what Georgia could put up should they decide to make Bo Nix remember who they are. So um, 16 is a lot of points. I'm not going to play it just because, again, Georgia's defense is so unfathomably good that uh, anything could happen here. <laughs> Kyle, let me get you in here. Uh, I think Georgia will find a way to make Stetson Bennett pretty comfortable in this game. Uh, they have been very patient on offense. Just take whatever the defense gives them because their defense is not going to allow teams to score, period. Uh, give me your thoughts here on the Bulldogs. Yeah, Mark Holmes said in the chat, uh, Georgia's defense isn't being talked about enough. Parker just talked about them a lot there, and I'm going to say a little bit more about them because they are just tremendous 
Uh, Mark's right, though. You know, this Georgia defense needs to be talked about a lot. Um, Georgia has allowed one offensive touchdown in five games. Uh, that's hey, it's not just the one touchdown. Let me interrupt you here. Uh, defensive points per drive, 0.16 points per drive is what Georgia has given up. Ridiculous. It is absurd. <laughs> it's just it's just ridiculous. It's hard to to say enough positive things about them. It's just tremendous. And do you really think Auburn's going to be able to score very many on Georgia? I certainly don't. Um, my concern is laying 16 points with a total set at 47. Uh, that's a lot. That kind of goes against what I usually like to do uh, in betting. I couldn't bet Auburn because I don't trust Bo Nix here. Uh, we saw good Bo Nix. It won't surprise me if bad Bo Nix shows up here, especially against this Georgia defense, because a lot of teams, uh, they can look make a lot of quarterbacks look really bad, and Nix is certainly capable of that. Auburn has played a very easy schedule so far this year, 130th in strength of schedule, according to Sagarin. Uh, in general, I'd rather fade Auburn than back them, but this is a lot of points in a low total game. Uh, I still don't trust Stetson Bennett that much, so I'm also concerned about laying points as far as how many they will score. Auburn's been really good at stopping the run, seventh in yards per carry allowed, ninth in opponent rushing play success rate. Georgia better at running than the other teams they've played against, but I still think Auburn is is pretty decent defensively. I would think this would be a low-scoring game. Uh, maybe even an Auburn team total under here would make sense. I don't think they'll score very many. I, I like the idea of the Auburn team total under. Uh, here's my deal. Like I said, LSU is not Georgia. I don't think LSU is very good at all. I don't know how much credit Auburn should get for that win, other than the fact that it was the first win for them in Baton Rouge in 22 years, right? At, at, what was it, 1999 was the last time. At, gentlemen, I was still in high school at that point. I mean, that is just absurd. Uh, but either way, Georgia's offense its super efficient when they need to be. You know, they they have not been tested as far as any of this mess goes. But I, Bo Nix was benched in the last two games. I mean, what like, he's, he's crazy, but that Johnny Manziel impression that he had last week I don't believe is going to work against Georgia. It's just not. At Georgia's defense is by far the most impressive defense I have seen since 2011 Alabama, 2007 LSU. I mean, we're talking like crazy, crazy good defenses. I, I feel great about Georgia being able to score defensive points. I think they might be able to get some special teams points. I, I don't feel like Auburn will be able to find a way to score on this team. And if that is the case, uh, 21 to 21 to three, 24 to six, like I, 16 points doesn't matter to me. I'm under that key number of 17. Let's move to the official plays. I am going to pick it. I'm going to roll with it because I think Georgia demolishes this team. It's their first time out on the road. I don't think it's going to matter. And taking Georgia minus 16 because this defense is lights out. And I think that last year, Georgia beat them by 21. And that was a worse, ver uh, worse version of Georgia and a better version of Auburn. And now the two teams have gone in opposite directions and somehow the line's shorter. Uh, that doesn't make sense to me. I'm rolling Georgia. I think it's at least three touchdowns, if not more. I'm all in on it. And you guys, of course, toss in that pick in the comments. Let me know if you agree with me or not. I would love to hear it. Uh, let's go to the Q&A right quick. We got, uh, we got a few questions in here. A lot of guys jumping into the chat, and we certainly appreciate that. Trey and Philip and Mark and Casey and Steven, et cetera. You guys you guys help drive the show, and we certainly appreciate that. Let's go. Uh, the first one that we had was uh, Liberty and Middle Tennessee. We had a question on that. Liberty's a 19-and-a-half-point favorite there. Uh, I will tell you my line on that was actually Liberty minus 15. 19-and-a-half, 
a little too rich for me. I feel like Liberty might have opened things up last week. Kyle, uh, you know, I, I was all over UAB last week, but Liberty finally found some offense, and that defense is fairly suffocating. What uh, what do you think about that one? Yeah, um, had that Liberty under last week, it, it nearly lost somehow when the score was, what, 3-3 three to three at halftime or something yes. like that. That was a real sweat at the end of the game. Um, unders are not very fun to bet, obviously, but uh, <laughs> you, you watch the end of these games, just, you know, uh, it, it can be really tough. But, you know, in this game, I think Middle Tennessee State is probably a bit overvalued based on their last game because it was a little misleading if you look at the final score. I think Marshall kind of gave that game away more than Middle Tennessee State being impressive. Having said that, Liberty comes off such a great win and now plays a team that's not as good. Um, I would lean toward Liberty, which is not a power ratings play for me. It's just a matchup space. I think Liberty is tough to bet against. You know, Hugh Freeze is a moneymaker. So uh, I would lean toward Liberty here. And I would probably lean toward the under. I think Liberty's defense is better than most people think. I, I would tend to agree. Parker, uh, d- how do you feel about Hugh Freeze? You, you figure, hey, is, is Hugh Freeze going to Miami? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, did you just ask me how do you feel about Hugh Freeze? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this game here is interesting. I think two things that stand out to me. In terms of points per quality possession on offense, uh, Middle Tennessee is, is 21st. So they're not getting quality possessions very often. But when they are, they're scoring. Um, And then on defense, they're 18th. So again, they're giving up a lot of quality possessions, but they're holding people to a field goal. Um, That's not to say that I have any inclination to bet on Middle Tennessee or or, or bet against Hugh Freeze here. Just to, you know, give some people some due where I can. I have this as Liberty by, I can't even count that high, uh, 40, like 41, 17, somewhere in that range, 42, 17. And so I would, I would lean towards Liberty here. I can understand that. Uh, We had another question on Georgia Tech and Duke. The Yellow Jackets, a three and a half point favorite, total of 60 and a half. Uh, Yellow Jackets did not look good last week. Uh, let's see. You know what, Kyle, I want to bring you in for this. Uh, and then we had another question about Tennessee and South Carolina. I'm going to ask you about that one, Parker. But Kyle, tell me your thoughts on the Yellow Jackets and the Blue Devils. Yeah, so 90% of the bets so far on Georgia Tech, which is kind of interesting, but uh, this is not a very um, heavily bet on game so far. I would lean to the over in this game is my favorite thing to take here. Georgia Tech's offense has been a bit improved. Duke's playing very fast. Their tempo has been uh, pretty extreme. They didn't look good against North Carolina offensively. Uh, I think they can score enough in this game. As far as the side, uh, this one's right at where I think the numbers should be. So I don't have any strong opinion there. Um, I don't trust Georgia Tech. We've seen them lose to Northern Illinois. We've seen them have some good performances. So I guess I'd lean toward taking the points if I had to do something. I can uh, I can roll with that. Parker, Tennessee, South Carolina, uh, Tennessee put a whooping on Missouri last week. I mean, just I, I don't even know what kind of words that I can use that wouldn't be banned by the FCC here. Uh, but it was it was ugly. So now they get to play against South Carolina. They're at home. They've got the black jerseys on and they are favored by ten and a half. Uh, I part of me wants to roll with Tennessee here. Ten and a half feels like a lot of points for a team that I don't know how much I can trust them, but but Heupel seems to have that thing rolling, doesn't he? He does, and and you know it uh, again in terms of the culture, getting up to to beat a South Carolina team you should beat, you know, wearing the jerseys at home, and and, and I think that's a big deal for Heupel. So I think they're really invested here. Um, this this Tennessee team just doesn't have a passing game, Gary. I just I just. I don't know what else to say about it. They're 92nd in EPA per pass. They're 112th in passing success rate. And South Carolina's offense has been, or defense rather, 
has been very good. Uh, sixth in EPA per pass, 46th in EPA per rush. So Tennessee's looking looking rush heavy. I think they'll be able to string some plays together. Heupel's a good play caller. Um, South Carolina is, is kind of a mess. They, but 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 uh, both teams have a good win last week. I do think with the emotion that. Um, just because South Carolina, you know, 112th on offensive and pass, 128th in EPA per rush, I just don't think they'll be able to score very much at all here. And so I would, I would slightly lean Tennessee, uh, but again, I don't, I'm not going to trust Tennessee farther than I can throw them, and uh, I probably can't throw them very far. I can, I can understand that. Uh, last one we're going to hit on in the Q and A today: uh, Boise State at BYU. The Cougars are a six-point favorite at home. Total of 57. Uh, Kyle, BYU is down to what their third string quarterback, if I'm not mistaken. I, I haven't dug into this game a ton uh, because it, I thought it was going to be a later game, but it's a, a 3:30 Eastern kick, so I guess it would technically fall into the uh, into the early slate. But I I don't feel good about Boise and what they're doing right now, but also don't know that I feel good about BYU. How can you how can you bet on either of these teams at this moment? Yeah, I wish I had bet BYU earlier in the week because there were three and a half surround, and, and now the line's moved up quite a bit. Um, at this current number, I still lean BYU because I don't trust Boise. Um, in, in the preseason, I remember Parker taking uh, season win total under for Boise, and, and that wasn't a popular play in, in the comments, I don't believe, with a lot of Boise fans. And uh, certainly nothing personal when we say something against your team, but I, I think that was a sharp um thought there from Parker because Boise doesn't look at all like themselves. I mean, they, they are just not playing well, not very good defensively. They can't run the football at all. You know, BYU, without their top couple quarterbacks, really, they still have some pretty good quarterbacks. You know, they have very good depth at quarterback. And and I, I think BYU can do enough here to win and cover the spread if I had to take something here. Um, like I said, the lines moved quite a bit, but I can't bet uh, Boise based on how they've been playing lately. Uh, BYU, by the way, against Boise, 8-2 and two against the spread in their last 10. They always seem to get up for this game. Uh, BYU actually beat them last year 51-17. to 17. Uh, They have, uh, I mean, they, they've kind of put it on uh, Boise any chance that they get the opportunity to. So uh, I would imagine, now I haven't seen anything about this, I would imagine that that line movement might have to do with one of those quarterbacks coming back. Uh, so we'll we'll see if there's if there's something about that. We'll we'll find it. We'll let you know. Parker, did you have a thought on Boise BYU? Tyler Algier, uh, Algier is really really good at running back, and also every <laughs> every one of my picks against Boise is personal because I remember TCU and Boise in the Mountain West days. So, um, no, I I love BYU's running game, and even without the quarterback, they've relied on it. Um, they are uh, 31st in uh, success rate. Boise is 82nd in EPA per rush. I think that whoever plays quarterback, BYU is going to be able to run over Boise. I, I tend to like that assessment. I tend to like that assessment. Gentlemen, let's dive into the recap for today. Uh, and we are going to start off with Parker's picks on this. Parker is riding Oklahoma minus three and a half against Texas. Ohio State at home, three touchdowns, minus 21 against Maryland. He's got Baylor minus three against West Virginia and the under 44 and a half there. And he's got Navy plus 13 and a half at home against SMU. I am riding Temple plus 29 and a half at Cincinnati on Friday night. I like Arkansas in the early game against Ole Miss plus five and a half. I like Navy at home plus 13 and a half. And I like Georgia minus 16 on the road at Auburn. Uh, noticed a lot of dogs this week. I like a lot of dogs this week. Kyle has got two totals for us. He's rolling with Maryland 
and Ohio State over 71 and West Virginia and Baylor under 44 and a half. Now, let's uh, let's go ahead and remind everybody, make sure and hit that subscribe button for us. Hit the notification bell. Go ahead and comment in with your picks. We want to know your thoughts on the week, especially for the early slate on this one. Uh, thank you to everybody that likes the video and that watches the video every single week. We're hitting new highs, new totals, new all sorts of stuff, and you guys are the reason for that. We certainly appreciate you giving us a little bit of your time every single week. Reminder, uh, share out the show, and of course, we will be back again on Thursday at 12 p.m., Eastern time. And let me go ahead and tell you all, I said it early in the show, but I'm going to remind you again, go ahead and sign up at bet us where the game begins. Use the promo code NCAAF 2021. You get 125% deposit bonus, sign up bonus, whatever you want to call it up to $2,500. And it is sports book exclusive. Again, I cannot stress how fantastic of a deal that is. Make sure you jump in while they're still doing it. I don't know how long that thing's going to go. They don't tell me these things. But make sure you get signed up with that promo code. It's going to be awesome. There's a link in the description. Just click that. It'll toss it in there for you. With that said, gentlemen, we have a game. Not a game. We have a show again tomorrow. I believe in 17 short hours, 16 hours, whatever it is. So we're going to get out of here for right now. But we will see you all again tomorrow at 12 p.m. Eastern time, Thursday. For BetUS, where the game begins. We'll see you all again shortly.